Welcome to the Smart Tech Check Podcast, hosted by Mark Vina, your home for candid, insightful, and provocative conversations about the smart home, home automation, security, smartphones, PC and console gaming, and much more. Hi, my name is Mark Vina, host of the Smart Tech Check Podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. The art of accurate and nuanced language translation is much easier said than done. While computer technology has helped with language translation in a variety of formats, many of the legacy tools on the market are often, are often imprecise, complex to use, and not adaptable to different environments. Joining me for today, let me bring him up on the screen for today's podcast, is Marco Trombetti, co-founder and CEO of Translated, an interesting new company focused on delivering 21st century language translation capability. So Marco, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Very, very good. Thank you for the invitation, Mark. Oh, you're welcome. Now, you and I got a chance to meet about two or three weeks ago. You were very gracious. Uh, you, um, you're also a kind of a professional, um, uh, I wouldn't say sa- you're not a sailor, but you no. like to no. race boats. Um, and uh, you, you were very gracious to invite me on your Translated 9 um, yacht. Um, and uh, we did, did actually the, the background image that I have with the uh, with the Golden Gate Bridge is accurate because I actually sailed under that with you and a bunch of other folks, and I did not uh, crash your boat. So I'm very very proud of that accomplishment, and I do appreciate the um, uh, the invite. You, you know, it's kind of interesting. What I'd like to get into though, you made a very. I wish I had recorded it. You made a very interesting speech on deck of the uh, of the boat before we took off talking about the kind of the parallels between yacht racing and technology and, you know, the mission of uh, translated. Can you recap that real quickly? Because I found that fascinating. Okay. First, first of all, um, so the reason we both were in a yacht is not because we were having a lot of fun, but because we are preparing this around the world regatta that will happen in 2023, which is the 50th anniversary of the Whitbread race, one of the most adventurous race all around the world. And so, the reason why we decided to join this regatta because it's for the 50th anniversary, they decided that this regatta will be done without any kind of technology with the boat that actually participated 50 years ago. So it's all boat designs, no GPS, no autopilot, no technology at all. And, you know, at Translated, we know one thing. We know that our translations are great because of humans, not because of machines. So we can still deliver great, great translations without the machine, but we cannot do that without the humans. And so with this regatta, we're celebrating humans. And that's why on the side of the boat, we have this big, we believe in humans. And and that's the message we would like to, to send around the world, that technology is a great tool when, in, when it's in the hands of other humans. And it should never be designed to replace humans, not because this is only ethically not nice, but mostly important because the business opportunity is much smaller. And, right. you know, we're talking about translations to the $50 billion market. Yes. And that's professional services. And Google Translate, DeepL, all the machine translation technology, that's $250 million. So instead of developing something to try to replace translator, we build the same technology to try to empower professional translators. And if you save... of that their time, then we're creating a market which is 
bigger than tens of billions. So right. that's that's why we think it's a great opportunity. Tens of billions compared to 200 million if you try to replace them. It's good. No, I I, I, I love that analogy. You know, and I I think the um, that uh, overview is, is is terrific. And I think that's part of the problem is that you know, in, especially in this space, but you can even make it broader than just translation services is that part of the challenge has been is that there's such a reliance on technology for technology's sake and you sometimes don't get this, the outcomes you desire when you rely uh, you know 100 percent on technology and you don't have that human element so i really really like um what you're doing here and we're going to go into uh what you folks do specifically in a second but what i kind of like to do um marco is before we get into that I kind of like to talk about your background. It's always intriguing to me about you know how different CEOs and different individuals who who you know find these interesting new companies kind of their their backstory. So let's talk a little bit about that, and uh, then we'll get into um, translated itself. Sure. So I I co-founded translated when I was a student. I was studying astrophysics, and uh, and so I, I went to to Grenoble, south of France. And so I'm originally from Rome, Italy. And to do my fourth year, I went to, to this other university in France where I met Isabel, my wife. She became also the co-founder of Translated. So the reason why we founded the company was not because of love of technology or love of languages. Actually, because we wanted to spend more time together. Very simple. Not <laughs> a lot of analysis. And so, and so she was a linguist. I was a physicist, but really... No, I always been playing with computer. I was a computer scientist. And so I said, okay, let's create one of the first internet translation company. And that's how Translated started it back in 1999. And so uh, studying physics there, created the company. And then, then when I was working on, on Translated, I had the opportunity also to start another company, Memopal, a cloud storage company, very similar to Dropbox. And I, I honestly, I think we, we lost the battle with Dropbox. We sold the company for a good amount of money, but not to the tens of billions that Dropbox did. And so while my career at Translated, I, I took some time off to do this. And one other thing that I do also is that I, four or five years ago, I co-founded a venture firm, Pi Campus, that invests in applied AI. So we were successful in applying AI to language technology, to language field. And so we decided also now, to give money to people, to help people that wanted to apply AI in a symbiotic way with the human, not to replace it, in medicine, transportation, and many other fields. And we've done there 56 investments. So basically, I think that's, that's the full story. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating to, uh, to uh, listen to the way that you just retell it. I, you obviously have a lot of passion for what you do. And I, I, like, I like the fact that... Um, it seems like, and all good CEOs are like this. They learn from the, their their accomplishments. They learn from their mistakes, and it helps them become much more um, vibrant leaders going forward. And it sounds like uh, you've obviously brought a lot of learnings from that, that original company that you founded. Um, let's mostly, go right into mostly from the mistakes. The, the success <laughs> creates little bugs in your brain, and you try to replicate them, and it's, it's not easy. You know, it's so funny. I used to work for a CEO at a company um, it's called Synaptics. They they, were, they made touchpads and capacitive touch uh, technology. And the, he, we had a while I was there, the company was on a tremendous run, and he always seemed, seemed to be depressed. And I said, I would say to him, 
you know, Francis, how could you be depressed? You know, companies here, the stock is all the way up here. He says, that's the worst time to be a CEO because it could only go down. You know, he would, he would say that, you know, when the comp a company starts to falter, it's like hand sanitizer. It, it exposes all the, yep. um, all the germs and all the, uh, all the problems that a company has. But it uh, sounds like you're not having those type of issues that translated right now. Let, let, no. Let's go into the, into the technology itself now. And, and before we get into that, what makes language translation so difficult and challenging? A lot of people take it for granted. You know, various tools and capabilities have been around for decades. It's not new. But, you know, when as you kind of look, look at the market and you look at the major capabilities, you know, you mentioned, you know, Google trans, uh, translation uh, capability. What are the problems with translation capabilities today? You know, first, as everyone else, before joining this industry translation, I was thinking that was an easy problem to solve. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, I discovered quite quickly that it was not. It was a very, very complex thing. And, and so I mentioned two different things. So number one, let's say human translation. So professional translators around, I think really is one of the most operationally challenging activities out there. And i give you a very simple example. Let's say someone comes with a document, 10,000 word, that needs to be translated in 40 languages. And they come in the morning, they want it at the end of the day. Few people realize that this requires about 10 different translators to be split on the work. Multiplied by 40 languages, that's 400 people. And so you have to start in the morning, get started with 400 people that are working on parallel on the same content and to make it perfect and smooth with the same terminology and style and at the end of the day deliver it. Very few other industries are able to express the level of capacity which is such no demanding human task. And so that's from the operation standpoint. I, want, I made an example, there is many more, just to say operationally, this is a very hard thing. And, and from the machine part, so when you talk about AI, a few people know that basically when the computer was invented, the first one of the first problem Alan Turing and uh, Warren Weaver wanted to solve with the computer was language translation. And they <coughs> said, maybe in five years we can solve that. And since then, every five years, there was someone saying five years, and it's been now 60 years, and, and nobody was able to solve. And why? Because human language is actually the most human thing we have. You know, eyes, you, you can look at the nature, it's static, and it, it, it is something that you can represent and a computer can actually understand. But when you say language, is a very compressive form of communication. When, I, when mm -hmm. I'm saying these few words to you, I make a lot of reference to my external experience. So the content, the meaning is not just in the world. It, it's fully of reference. It's like the web with hyperlinks. And every single word I'm saying has got an hyperlink to a totally different world. And that's basically our experience or our senses. So super compressed, impossible for machines to understand. As of today, the largest models in artificial intelligence are the one for language, language translation especially. And so it's one of the hardest tasks for a machine to learn. And, uh, and so that's why both from a human's perspective, operationally, and also for artificial intelligence, that's, that's why it's hard. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, is that my experience with translation software, because I do that occasionally when I have a, a client um, who is, um, needs content in a different language, is that nuance, computers are not good at nuance. You know, and, and especially with certain languages, every language has a different nuance. What you might say in English, 
has a you could translate it literally, but it has a completely different meaning in French or Spanish or some other um, language. So I really want to dive into that piece because the, the, the I think what, what what's most exciting to me about what you guys do is not just the the, the scalability part. You talked to actually reference that in terms of the, in the old days you had you had to throw people at it, you know, and when you throw lots of people at it, that's not terribly efficient and it's very very costly and it's not productive if you're on a deadline that's not also not a good way of of doing it but it's also that you know managing the the nuances of the language it's, can you talk a little bit about that because obviously you obviously have a lot of experience yeah. in that so as i said being super compressed form of communication the so it's, it carries a lot of meaning and and because we humans want to be efficient we don't want to use many words we're not redundant we want in short amount of words communicate meaning. And when you do that, you come to the problem of ambiguity. You come to the problem where something means something completely different based on the context. I want to give you a, a funny example that happened with machines at, at one of our biggest customers, Airbnb. So they were describing a very calm, very nice apartment. And so they were using the word quiet a lot to, to describe this place. And then basically in the sentence before, they in order, in order to express how quiet it was the place, they repeated the word quiet, dot. So it was just one extra line with that. And so these two things, because of, you know, are processed by machines as a two separate sentences. Machines are only able to translate sentence by sentence. That's how Google Translate right. works. The yes. same sentence get translated always in the same way doesn't matter the context. So what happens is that we translate the first sentence in Italian and it was looking like, okay, description of this quiet apartment. And then for the second quiet, we say stai calmo, which means be quiet <laughs> instead of. So, so we were basically changing the meaning and, and, and completely and just because of the context that the machine didn't have. And obviously when you empower, you have human translators, Combine it with machines, you can correct those errors. And so you're fast, you deliver translation fast, but also they can correct the ambiguity because they do understand the context in which things get said. And obviously we're trying to teach machines also to take advantage of context, but that is very, very hard because the context it is, is a but, but the problem has to be solved because I think that what the point you just yeah. made in terms of understanding context, because you're right, the tools that are out there right now, Google being the best example, it's a sentence by sentence types of translation. It has no clue what you said before. Or, um, and that's important because understanding that nuance, understanding the context helps you provide a better translation experience. That's, that's really, really um, interesting. Let's talk a little bit about um, why translate. I mean, you've been hinting at it, but let's go into that in a bit of a deeper dive. You know, why is trans, translate succeeding where others have failed? I mean, it is a crowded field. Uh, I mean, it's a relatively crowded field. It needs 40,000 40, companies. So $50 billion market, 40,000 companies. That means that the average company is very small, 1.2 million average. And, yes. and so, so I think that in general, the reason why you know, we were very successful and, and are growing probably most than anyone else is that um, we are in the middle between a tech company and a language service company. And mm -hmm. so... And so that was very important for us in terms of culture and how we were approaching people and the people we work with, both customers, but especially translators. So when, when a tech company approaches a translator with a tool, they are skeptical. 
they don't want to work with a tech company because they have this feeling that they're getting replaced by technology. And so, and on the other side, you have language service companies, standard translation companies, they have zero tech. And so they don't provide the tool for people to do the job in a better, faster way, more interesting for them. And so I think because we were coming from both worlds, they're, they're trusted because they're similar to the translator. And so I think we're in the middle where we're very trusted by the tr translators. And in the same time, we come with tools. We come with technology AI that is symbiotic and it's their own AI. So every time they correct the errors the machine makes, the machine is learning and following their style, their terminology. And so they, this becomes their companion. And they feel actually that we're providing tools for improving their creativity rather than trying to replace. And so that mix, I think, makes Translate very different. And from, I think in terms of values and that those values converted then into, into more of the best translator wanted to work for us. Now you talk about the fact that it's learning, which is at the heart of um, uh, AI. Is that learning on a customer by customer basis? Is it a macro level? Or if you have returning customers, they may have specific type of content that is unique to them. Is that AI capabilities you know, customized to that person or is it more of a macro? So when, when we work for a customer, what we have is something called a translation memory. So an archive, everything that the customer has translated in the past. And so the model actually adapts based on that past experience plus every single correction that translator do. So optimizes around the terminology of customer. And every customer is different. Even in the tourism industry, you can go from the luxury hotel, very formal, to Airbnb friendly uh, style. And so really you have to communicate in different ways. So the models adapt to the style of the customer. So translators, if they use it for their personal use, for their own customers, obviously they have their, their translation memory and they can be adapted to their own style. But when you're working for a customer, the style you need to, to follow is the one of the customer. Interesting. That's really, really interesting. Uh, let's hit the next topic here. Uh, so, you know, from a capability standpoint, you know, you're tech, you know, uh, you're, te 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 I guess you, I, I, the way I would describe you guys is you're a technology company with a very much a human uh, component to it, you know, and, which I think is interesting. But you obviously have a roadmap since it's a, such, a, such a competitive field, 40,000 players, you know, you know, obviously crowded fields, you know, invite lots of competition. When you look at the marketplace, you kind of look at kind of the landscape of where things are going. What kind of other features? You you may not want to get specific for confidentiality, no. but where do you see the market going, and where do you think you'd see translated translated fitting into that from a future standpoint? So uh, I start with the most important thing. So the reason why we build translated is is because we want people to understand and be understood in their own language, and we think that if we allow this in the world that the world will look like a much better place. And, and by, by the way, we think that this is extremely important. It's one of the most important problems in humanity. And I know it may look strange, but, but let me say this, is that language human evolution was possible because humans, different from animals, they developed complex language. And so complex language allowed comprehension and comprehension allowed cooperation. And so when cooperation started, we humans, we were able to build things 
and solve problems that were more complicated than what a single person can do. And that really unlocked the potential for human evolution. Now, this cooperation today is only a local level. People that speak English cooperate with people that speak English. And Italian, 2% of the world population, of the world speaking population of the internet, they can only understand each other. Okay? And so the cooperation, if you want to solve climate change, if you want to, to go to Mars, you cannot do this unless you allow people to cooperate to the next level of human evolution. So first, having said that, so that is the important problem we want to work with. We, we always say that Elon Musk is our competitor because we need to solve that problem before Elon gets Mars. That's, that's the <laughs> idea. <laughs> but so understanding this, what are the features, the things that are working on? Obviously, these adaptive machine translation, so the capability of the models to learn from the correction. This is what we're always, always working on. We're making bigger and bigger AI that are able to, to learn more and also translate better, okay? And so we went from 47% for each sentence that needed to be changed by translators. We're now in the range of 16%, 17, six, and, and you know, two translators, that did one that did great work, a human will be corrected 11%. So we don't have to get to zero, we just need to get to 11. When we reach that point, then it means that basically we are creating a technology that for free, instantly, and with the same quality of the human translator is allowing people to communicate. So that is mm -hmm. what we work on every single day, making sure that we can decrease a little bit the amount of effort professional translators had to do to make it perfect. And so this is the main roadmap that is happening for the next uh, 10 years. And, and I, I think if we keep going in the direction and the speed that we have, between, I, I think in 10 years, we can come very, very close to that goal, especially for some languages that will happen well before. For some other rarer, it would take a little more. So this is the main thing. But the other thing that is also very interesting for people is that as of today, translation only works with text. And text, unfortunately, is a very limited way of interaction between humans. You know, me and you, that's not text. And so we're working on two different products that are allowing the translation of audiovisual content. So let's say you mm. take it and you get the video dubbed in the other language. And that, again, is a mix between AI and humans. So the machine yes. will do the translation automatically of the English video, you wanted to bring it in French, so the English video generates a French translation. A human is editing, doing what is called the adaptation, and then a synthetic voice is generating the output by learning from the source audio. So it's learning how the French actor, English actor was doing the original version, and he's trying to reproduce the same in the target language. And there is the human in the middle that fix the errors of the translation, that basically make and remove the ambiguities. So that's the new things that we're working on. And I fully hope that we can deliver that yeah. soon to the market. And just a quick follow-up question, Marco. Will that, I imagine the answer is yes, because different languages, when they're spoken, the way you enunciate certain words, you know, the, 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 has meaning to it. It has subliminal meaning to it. it. Will the technology at some point comprehend that? So when I'm making this, you know, I made something that, and I'm, and I'm throwing this off the top of my head here, you say something and, the, just the way you said it in terms of uh, enunciating certain words, pronouncing certain words in a certain way, 
it's either communicating, it could be communicating anger, humor, you know, certain feelings. I mean, I, I, I suspect you have to comprehend those, those uh, attributes. Absolutely. And in fact, Mark, if I say I, I really love you, no, even what I'm saying in words is very different what I'm saying with my body. And right. 70% of, of communication is actually body language rather than language. So, so, so we need to learn that and we need to bring that information to the machine and be able to learn from that. And so we're increasing the context. So instead of translating sentence by sentence, we're creating larger and larger chunk of content. So whatever we said since the beginning is part of the context that machine is now using to predict the translation, but also we're analyzing pictures to try to understand now what's happening in the picture. Well, when you get a, a beta version of this capability, please call me because I really want to check that out. That sounds very, very cool. Let us hit the our last topic here. And, uh, you know, we talk, we've actually kind of gone back and forth on this, but how is translations really different from other competitors? Because the way you're describing this is that it, I, I, it's been my experience that I haven't seen anything like this, you know, before, honestly. So yeah, talk a little bit about that, you know, maybe your, your, your key differentiation. And, and, and obviously the, the leading question I'm kind of giving you is that you know, presumably that differentiation allows you to drive to a, a much higher caliber, more precise translation experience. Yeah. So I, I think that, um, let's say two kind of customer and be practical, why is different from them? So if, you, if you're a small and medium enterprise, where you, you have content, you have a website, you want to translate those stuff. And basically what we have done is that basically we are delivering a better quality translation in half of the time. So we, we hide all the technology complexity behind. You have a mm. content, it's just magic. It comes with a better quality half of the time. And you ask yourself how, how that was possible. And so that symbiosis between human and machines made them very productive, less errors. So the translator is teaching the machine, the machine is teaching, is giving suggestion to the new translator. And so this magic thing just simply make a better product, no, faster and, and better quality. And so that is for the small and medium enterprise. All the people that come to our website, they place orders, that's what they perceive. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's different. For the enterprise, um, it's, it's slightly different because they're more sophisticated, they, they're very big budget. And so what we have developed that makes us very different is that everyone is using, let's say, vendors. So, one large corporation will outsource to a company and that company, because they don't have the capability, they will outsource to 40 different translation company in every country. And they outsource to a translator. And unfortunately, sometimes that translator will outsource to his cousin. Okay. And so, <laughs> and so that's, the, that's the traditional way of doing it. Very slow, many intermediation, a lot of overhead cost, et cetera. Our solution with the enterprise is that we come with a platform that plugs into the content. So the, the content owners, the developers are writing the code, the content of the website, of the apps, et cetera. And we keep track of what is new, what is changing. And so we have this reuse model that see the difference and push the content directly to translators in a continuous way, sentence by sentence, as soon as there is new content. And so, and the, the platform, you see the name of the translator, the people that are actually your own team. So very different instead of being Closed with many intermediation, we're fully transparent. And so you see the name, the surname of the person, even how much it gets paid. And you see exactly what happened. That's your team. 
the people that you engage with because they're your global engaged workforce to translate your content. And so they do it. And, and, and basically, a, 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 this content is flowing continuously. So it's, let's say you have a very complex app that you have built with many pages, etc. You finish writing the last English sentence and a few hours after, you have the app ready translated in hundreds of languages that you requested. So it's continuous. Before it was, okay, I work on Windows. I end the English version of Windows. Then I translate into Japanese to make a test, six months. And then I translate into the other 50 languages afterwards. So English for France or Italy, work Windows was coming maybe the year after, or one and a half year after the release. Today, when, when Apple or when Airbnb, our customer, deliver a new functionality that gets distributed instantly to people around the world. And so that is very different. Continuous and fully transparent. People that know, know your brand, trust your brand, and are exposed. So you know their name. And so you know they, they know that everybody see who did that translation, and they're very proud of their work. Well, this was fascinating, Marco. I suspect this is not the last time we will chat. Again, thank you for the, that invite a couple of weeks ago um, on your Translated Night. That was an incredible experience. But really, thanks for taking the time to join me for today's podcast. For our viewing and listening audience, thanks for making the Smart Tech Check podcast part of your day or commute. Please make sure that you hit the like and subscribe button at the end of today's podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Mark Tech Guy. If you haven't already, please make a donation to the Red Cross or your preferred charitable organization to help the brave people of Ukraine in their time of need. And until next time, have a great week. And again, Marco, thank you for uh, uh, participating in the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.